Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello Dungeonistas and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing. And if you're not already a subscriber, why don't you do so? Also, why don't you leave us a review on iTunes because that is very important. You can also find us on Twitter, I'm at jbeardmore. This podcast is at The Rugby Dungeon. And very important announcement, this little family of podcasts that we have going down here in The Rugby Dungeon now has a new member, the Thistle Rugby Podcast. The Thistle is basically all things Scottish rugby, and if you're Scottish and you like rugby, I highly recommend that you look at it. Uh, I will probably put that on this feed, so when you download it you'll see the, the Thistle Rugby Podcast some point this week so you can have a little listen without having to go onto iTunes and find it. However, if you do want to go onto iTunes and find it, that will be up on iTunes probably by Friday, but it's already available from the Acast app. And of course, if that's not enough for you, there's also the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, which comes out every Monday with me, Phil and Tim. Quick word to our sponsors, obviously Cornerstone, the supplier of superb razors german engineered with your own hand engraved shaft they send you razors directly to your door no no need to no need to worry about it better than wilkinson sword better than gillette and for as little as four pound a month you can have precision engineered german razors directly to your door go on to their website cornerstone forward slash egg chasers or use the offer code egg 10 at checkout um you can also Go to our friends at Beer52. If you like your beer and you like it sourced from throughout the UK from some of the most inventive breweries, go onto their website, Beer52. Use our code RUGBY10 for your for your, for your discount. Um, we'll be running some stash competitions in the near future. Uh, all we want you to do is spread the word about the Rugby Dungeon, Egg Chasers or the Thistle Rugby Podcast. And by doing so, we will enter you into a draw and we'll give out yet more stash. We've given away so much stash between uh, uh, Rugby Dungeon and Egg Chasers lately. It's uh, yeah, it's quite staggering, actually. So get onto that, spread the word of the podcast and just tweet me and show me how you've done it. Or go onto the Facebook page and tell me how you've done it there. Anyway, today's guest is Grayson Hart. Grayson plays for, well, he's from New Zealand, he plays at Glasgow, he's played for Scotland, and he previously played at Edinburgh. So very, very interesting character, and very thoughtful character. He's not at all what you'd expect. He's got his own podcast, Warrior Mentality, which he does with Adam Ash, and you can also find him on on Twitter. He gives you details of that, and loads more uh, during our conversation. Very, very deep-thinking guy. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this, so... Without waiting any longer, here is my interview with Grayson Hart. How are you, Grayson? I'm bloody good, mate. It's, it's awesome to be on the show with you, JB. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Just as we got talking then, you said you're at a hotel. Where are you? Uh, we are in Linnithley, uh, where I'm playing with the Glasgow Warriors. We're playing uh, Scarlets tomorrow evening, so we arrived was a fairly long day of travel um yeah flew from glasgow to bristol because they don't have direct flights from glasgow um so flew to bristol jumped on the bus we, we got this big flash and stuff like that cool. um jumped back in the peak so i think what would usually be a maybe two hour bus journey i might be wrong but around about two hours was was three and a half hours but oh. the boys the boys made the most of it mate playing cards and having a laugh and stuff so no it was all good uh okay and have many fans traveled with you i imagine they haven't because of the international weekend 
Yeah, I, I I didn't see any on the flight. Like usually, you sort of get chatting to a couple at the airport on the flight. I didn't see any. Um, but there's as we we have some awesome awesome supporters, so I'm sure there'll be a few that will be yelling out at the game. So we'll yeah. find out tomorrow. Well, it feels like the whole team and the whole club have really been generating a lot of support. So that Tigers game, Carl sounded brilliant. Oh mate, it was that was an unbelievable atmosphere. That's that's one of the awesome things about Scotstown and, and just the people of Glasgow. Like you know, they really they're very passionate. They wear their heart on their sleeves and they get right behind us and they they bloody absolutely loved uh, um, that that performance. And it was an amazing performance by the boys. I wasn't playing the game, so I sort of had the opportunity to see like witness the crowd. Um, and sort of be a part of the crowd and it was yeah it was unbelievable how much support and I felt a bit sorry for old um, Matt Tamua with his, his oh. he he wore the brunt of the crowd what did you think of, of that tip tackle when you first saw it do you think it was a red or a yellow uh, I, I I think it definitely wasn't intentional that he was you know trying to put him on in a bad position I think he just the momentum that Finn sort of almost sort of jumped a tiny bit in the tackle and because he, he had timed his sort of tackle so well, he, he flipped him. Um, so in that regard, I, I generally don't think he was there was any malice in it, so therefore that's why I thought it pretty much did warrant a yellow. But, I mean, you could understand if, it, if they had a gone with the red just because the way they rule things these days, but I think it was more just the momentum had flipped them over. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I actually yeah. think that... That should have been a red. Now I'm all for letting the boys play, but I just think if you are, if you are tipping someone, that isn't a momentum action, is it? He actually had to lift, and I think even though the outcome was fine, thankfully, uh, and the Glasgow player, whoever it was, I can't remember now, it's a hooker. It's a, um, in oh, all credit, Fraser hit. Brown. Yeah, Fraser Brown. It just bounced straight back up. I think that helped him out no end. But if you're going to tip, if you're going to make that action, uh, you're going to have to be very, very careful. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a tough one. Like because when you're out on the field, you I don't think you're you don't actually think that you're in the tackle. You're trying to tip the guy. It's we're taught to tackle quite low these days, and almost when you dominate the hit that as much as Matt Tamura did, because he's hitting quite low. Yeah, the guy's almost going over him. Whereas you you know you might not always expect to sort of time it that well and. The, the moment players' momentum won't go right over you, you'll sort of go through them a bit more. So, that, I don't know. I, I'm just probably more um, like as a fellow player, like y- you want you want safety in that, of course. But I, I can sort of see it from both sides. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you think the issue with tackling and the application of the law it's making tackling very technical now? Because if you look at someone like I'll give you an example, Dan Lydiot. And now you watch him tackle, and he basically tries to tackle his shoelaces. But yeah. so often, because he's so low, you can't get the arms wrapped. And I think yeah. the danger is, like, you get going for these almost these chop tackles, well, that's gone. You can't tackle any anywhere ab- um, above, the, above the shoulders, obviously. Uh, yeah. And now, so you've basically got this very small window. And if you yeah. get it wrong, the consequences to your team, it can be so severe. Yeah, it's, that's just been something, I think, it's within the last sort of two years they've really clamped down on that that chop tackle, that really low chop tackle. Like I I, I grew up calling it a grass cut. Yeah. Uh, I, because I I really enjoyed watching American football and I played a lot of the the Madden on PlayStation with my older brother. Yeah. Uh, and we we called it the grass cut because that's what they call. And um, I, that, I I genuinely grew up tackling like that because. Growing up in Auckland, I was a little white guy, and, and the majority of the time I was playing against these massive island boys. Yeah. And some of these boys, when we were like 12, they were like the size of men, you know? <laughs> um, so I got I got my inspiration from the, the Madden football, the NFL, and I would just dive in at the ankles. Um, and, you know, back then when you were chopping that low, like they weren't looking for any use of the arms. That The only sort of look at shoulder charges were you know, the high, the up, up top ones. So mm. I, I got away my whole young career, like in school and stuff, just diving at guys' ankles. 
Um, thankfully, I, uh, I, I never hurt anyone. I wasn't, there was no malice involved. It was just my way of getting these massive guys to the ground. Um, and I see, you know, now within the last couple of years, it's quite a, that's, that's quite a common tactic, especially really close to the rucks when guys are doing pick and goes or, or forwards are doing hit ups close from the ruck. Like they'll, they'll guys just want to stop them in their tracks, so they'll just dive pretty much straight at their ankles with the shoulders, like you said with Dan Lydiard, and they're they're really clamping down on it because I think if you get get it wrong and the guy say gets a stud caught in the ground, it can cause like you know knee injuries or ankle. Yeah, it can. And you you know yeah you see guys just fold right over, but but now you nowadays you also see guys that are unfortunately getting carded when they're doing those tackles and they're still using their arm, but because they're chopping so low. And refs are keeping an eye on that. It's like they, you know, they've really, really got an eye out for it. So some guys are sort of they are getting it. I think Leonardo Sato for us, he had one where he had an arm involved, but he chopped so low, but he still got a yellow. We had uh, Lange last week. He, he ended up getting a red, which the judiciary turned uh, reverse. That they said neither of his tackles were yellows, and one of his was a similar instance where he he did the grass cut, but he actually used the like got a, got an arm involved, but yeah, they're, they're they're definitely clamping down on it nowadays. Yeah, I feel really sorry for the guy that kind of does the low ankle level tackle, gets concussed, is knocked out before he before he completes the tackle, gets a yellow card and an HIA. Yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, in in the NFL, it's a great tactic. They got the helmets on. <laughs> yeah, you can just kamikaze at guys' ankles, but yeah, it's uh, my teammate. Um, Mark Bennett referred to it as if you get a head in the spokes. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, you bloody, you might pay the consequence. You get a knee in the back of the head. But something I need to work on because I get my head in the way sometimes. Yeah. Well, uh, thankfully, I'm not brave enough to make those uh, those sort of hits. So not really my problem. <laughs> yeah, I just close my eyes and dive in, and I get my head in the wrong way sometimes. So, so got to work on that. <laughs> So you, like me, have just got into the podcast business, but you're not, well, actually, you tell me, you're not podcasting about rugby, are you? It's basically health, well-being, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an overall sort of, yeah, like it's personal development, mindset, uh-huh. um, yeah, well-being. Like it's, it's stuff that I'm really passionate about, along with Adam Ash, um, my, my, my mate, teammate who we we've come up with the idea together it's called the warrior mentality podcast um and yeah we we do speak a a little bit about rugby and and just our experiences with you know things like motivation and you know goal setting um creating new habits and mindsets toward to achieving our best and stuff like that so we use a lot of examples that we learn and how we implement you know different sort of mindsets or perspectives into our lives and rugby yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so can you give me an example of some of those? Yeah, so lot, like a lot of the stuff we talk about, some of the books that have impacted us the most, um, one of the books we've spoken about on the podcast is, is called The Power of Now by a guy named Eckhart Tolle. Um, and it's, it's sort of a, it, it gives us an understanding of like how, how the, the mind works and how, you know, as human beings, we have like a tendency to attach ourselves to our thoughts, and um, and and almost when you when you overthink and overanalyze and you label everything in life, you you overcomplicate and you sort of weigh yourself down. and And it talks a lot about you know coming to a, a place of more clarity where you can understand and quiet your mind, and 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 sort of when you're in that state of of clarity and not thinking so much you actually perform at your best in all tasks in life and you know this he, he thing you know it's not just specifically that book but like, yeah. you know those are the types of topics and we we interviewed a, a really amazing author uh last week uh no this week sorry um his name is garrett kramer he um he's written a couple books um, one's called the path of no resistance and one's called still power he actually he works directly with um, a lot of professional sports teams and and like quite big professional sportsmen in in the US. Um, he works with a lot of like the ice hockey, the NHL players and stuff. And Got he you. was a really really amazing guy. And um, 
he spoke we spoke a lot about his his sort of perspective and insights and they're both they're things that Ash, Ashy and I have put into practice into our life and you know we've seen sort of great benefits in our just mindsets and perspectives and you know like just helps you take things in your stride a lot more to not take things personally and uh, gives you sort of an understanding of like how the human ego uh, works and how we can t- yeah just take things personally and it's not always it's not always the case there is actually another way of of looking at things so so, so are you almost building like mental protocols into what you do not only in rugby but day-to-day life is is that the is that the idea yeah uh, i don't know if protocols is the best word but i know what you mean um i, I know because i think the word protocols sort of it might just be me but i feel it's like almost sort of like rules and stuff yeah <laughs> um yeah it's just it's just create it's just offering a different view on things than what we might the majority of us have sort of brought up to understand you know what i mean like okay some of these these things you don't learn in school you know like so they're, they're things that that adam and i are, are really passionate about and i guess you know people have shown quite a good interest and um, we've had some really really positive feedback because i guess it's things you don't might not often hear sportsmen speak about so much. Go on. Um, I, I guess, well, in, in my experiences, you know, a lot of the, the discussions in, in their rugby environment, we, we sort of, you know, there's a lot of banter, like a lot of laughs and stuff like that. And there, there's not often time for, you know, speaking about the more sort of meaningful things. Um, away from rugby, you know, um, and in the, in the podcast we speak about things like you know finding a, a sense of purpose away from rugby. Because um, I think you know if if you base your value as a person on on your rugby career, it's, it's going to be you're going to be feeling very up and down, you know, because there's in uh. professional sport. One day you can be a hero, and the next day, you know. You, you could be a nobody, um, you know, and could be getting man of the match every game and then you could be injured or, you know, you might have an amazing contract and then the next year you have nothing. So it's figuring out ways to sort of get away f- from the material side of things and gain a sense of purpose and value in just everyday tasks and, and life and, and, and have more of an understanding, yeah. And is the knock-on to that, basically a bit more stability um like say purpose and in a way it takes the pressure off being a professional sportsman or have i got that wrong no you're 100 percent right mate um like like we're we want to be the best we can be as rugby players and just in life in general and that's what it's about so um you know we're a lot a lot of time in sport but you know if you don't go it's hard to leave it behind. Like you might go home, you might be down and stuff. If you, you know, you might be injured or you're not selected or you think you didn't play well, you didn't train well, because our whole life revolves around this career. Like you have to, in every moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it can be difficult at times for sportsmen to almost, you know, just be in a state of away from rugby. Um, like that's what we're we're really keen to get that message across and live it ourselves and that's the kind of stuff we do. I see. So have you have you engaged with your coaches around this? Because you did mention just before the podcast that you originally got into this through a book club. So can you tell me uh, if the coaches have um spoken to you about it, if they're buying in buying into it, and how many of the players are Bought, bought into this uh, it's not process bought into this mentality yeah so the the coaches have been really supportive um but first first came about um just because you know myself and ashley we're we're, we're big into reading like personal development like we love reading books on you know like great autobiographies and stuff like that and we'd often be chatting about it and we found that there was quite a number of other guys who were 
really interested in the same books. Um, and we'd find ourselves in, in, in conversations with, about some of these books. And, um, you know, we, we thought a lot of these conversations were sort of just, you know, more one-to-one conversations. And, and I know that for myself, like, I've been into this stuff for maybe like six, seven years now. For the for the up until the last sort of couple of years, I, I I really kept it to myself because I already had this preconceived idea in my own mind that like it's not true, but I I had it already created in my mind that if I was reading things on like personal development and stuff like that, that you know there's it's a bit weird like there's something wrong with me, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I I had that preconceived idea, and when when I broke that barrier down myself and felt comfortable speaking about these things with the other guys and I found that there was guys with the same sort of things in common, like they were interested in all this stuff as well. Um, and in the environment, maybe it's not seen as that cool to like talk about it and stuff like that, but by creating the, the book club, we, we created a space where like it was cool, like there was a group of guys who really did want to speak and share about this stuff because it's it's awesome like reading and learning about this stuff but when you actually speak about it with other people and talk about your own experiences and learn about their experiences and books that they've read and maybe like podcasts and documentaries and stuff like that you you start to you know and, and when you're speaking about it and you start living it out more and more you know and it holds you more accountable yeah um so, so do you still have a core group of players that meet up and uh, discuss all this stuff then? Yeah, yeah. So we 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 meet once a week. With, we we missed uh, this week because we didn't. We all had things on. We, there was like promotional things on our day off. So we usually meet on our on our day off. Um, we we meet at um, David Lloyd, which is the, the gym that sponsors us. They have a they have a massive cafe there and we have our own little bit there that we meet up at and yeah we've been getting like there's been like 10 to 12 guys show up every week and really yeah it's, it's like we've been blown away like when ashley and i started the group we to be honest we were a little bit like kind of worried because you know dudes would probably be sort of be like oh you know what the hell like book club like might might not think it's that cool but um, like there has been a few dudes like that that sort of think that we're sort of yeah not that cool but um, like we we know how meaningful it is to us and yeah we're surprised like yeah had a good 10 12 dudes and each week you know sort of new guys come along and so we've been blown away by the how many dudes have attended and like how meaningful the input of guys has been and you know there's been guys who you know we wouldn't have expected to rock up and they've had some of the more more meaningful input and part of the reason why we we started the group was um you know like I, I think back on my days when I was I was 21 when I was at the blues and you know I was going through like in my own life like some quite difficult times and and I really like I, I, I struggled to communicate yeah and um you know there was guy there was like sports psychologist involved with the club and um but time being that being a bit understanding of, of all these things I I felt, you know, I struggled to communicate and, and talk to people about it. And part of the reason why we came out of the group was, you know, I, I know that if back in that time if my peers were sort of speaking about these things and, and had a group and like I could hear from older players their their experiences and and learn from them. Then I, I feel it would have impacted me greatly because you know because I was I was young and impressionable and I didn't and I thought if you see a psychologist then you know you're you're, you're a bit of a head case. That, that's what I thought at the time. You know. Yeah. But to hear to hear things from your own peers, I think is quite powerful. Yeah, uh, I, I imagine it's quite revealing knowing the stories of others and then pointing out the similarities yeah it's amazing like you know it's we we can relate to each other so much but a lot of these things 
without this the group that we've created, a lot of these things you, you wouldn't talk about. But we have so much in common with each other, and and so many struggles, like like in our motivation and um, you know just like overcoming different sort of obstacles and stuff like that that we share that we can really really learn from each other. Mm. And and it's not like you know like I think having a sports psychologist is an amazing thing, but I think there's nothing. Do, do you Quite have as powerful as learning from your peers, yeah. Do you ever struggle with your motivation? Yeah, there, there's times where I, I, I struggle with my, my motivation, yeah. But I think having this more understanding of uh, of how the mind works now, you know, it's it's a lot easier to, to move through it and, and come to a more positive place. I think in the past, I was really, really bad, you know, like if, if things weren't going my way, I would... I'll just get down on myself or, or I'd think, you know, like the coaches don't like me and I'd create almost like that, that sort of victim mentality in my head and you make up the story as to why things aren't going your way and you, you buy into it, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas now when, now that I have a, a better understanding of, of how the mind works, so, you know, things like that are still going to come up but it's, it's up to us to, to work through them and understand that, you know that's that's not the reality. That's something that you're sort of that, that ego in your head is trying to make up a story as to why you're not, uh, you know, achieving the outward things. Or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I assu- I'm assuming that that story doesn't often involve self accountability. Yeah, exactly, mate. Uh, and I think that's that's the main reason why that sort of voice comes up is because it's trying to. It's a little tactic that you your mind has to avoid, you know, truly being accountable for what you can control. I think it's fascinating, you know, that you've done this and you've done it with a group of professional players. Well, actually, one of the big factors of being a professional sportsman is huge ego. Yeah, no, that, that, that is, that's an interesting sort of perspective. And I think, like, one of the things that we've spoken about in the group and like Ashley and I and on the, on the podcast and stuff is that, you know, the, t- the times that we play, we feel that we've played our absolute best is almost when you're in a, in a state of prince, like you're not thinking, you know what I mean? Mm. You, you, you come to, it, it becomes instinctual and when you sort of overthink things, yeah. that's when you, you, your mind gets jumbled and you might not, because you're not as sort of present, clear for time, you might miss the that little gap that might open up, or you might, might miss read a play. Or whereas what we're learning is, when you're in that state of clear mind and no thinking, that's when you perform instinctually at your best. You know, because like we train hard and we do a lot of analysis and we learn all the plays, but in order to perform at your best, you just have to be. You know, have a have a clear mind. Tell me, this all sounds very individualistic. Are there any elements of this that you can transition into a team environment? Um, yeah, I, I think it can have a positive effect, like hugely. Like just in my own experience, when you when you're on the field, like we interviewed Rob Harley in our podcast last week, and one of the things we spoke to him about is. You know, he he's actually a great influence on the field because he's he's a guy who's never ever flustered. Like no matter what the situation is on the mm. field, whether you know what, whatever the scoreboard may be, he always seems the same. So that was something we spoke to him about, like you know how he comes to that sort of state of of presence. Um, and we spoke to him about how you know positive it is in our experience. Like, and, and it's not it's not something that you really think about. It's more like you just feel the positive vibe. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so I think the more you can get to that level of um, sort of being present and just completely focused, um, no matter what the situation in the game is, I think it can be of, of great great effect. And I think, you know, like, I, I don't know, I'm no expert, but when I look at the All Blacks, I feel as though that's something that's really taken their game to the next level. Yeah. Um, and it seems to have come into play like leading up to the 2011 World Cup, like they just seemed to become a team that was never flustered, you know what I mean, no matter what the, the situation. And it, and it just, 
because they've always obviously been like unbelie- an unbelievably talented rugby team, no matter what year it was, mm. just because of the amount of talent and depth that they have had. Um, but, you know, obviously there was times where they 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 might not have performed at their best or, or dropped off and, you know, had sort of little down spells, but it just seems like the All Blacks of this last, you know, the last two World Cups and all the years in between, they've, they're just really consistent. And, and a name that always seems to pop up mm. when, when I look into it is Gilbert Anoka. Um, you hear these guys speaking about him and he's their <laughs> sort of mental skills coach. Um, and I read I read Dan Carter's book and he credits a lot of his um, sort of mindset and, and consistency in that to working with Gilbert. Um, and I've never met Gilbert, but I just feel... You know, people seem to say, like, how have the All Blacks stepped their game up so unbelievably um, and become so consistent? And one game that stands out is that game against Ireland. Uh, yeah, I remember the one where Ireland went up by three or four tries. Yeah, and the All Blacks just did not look flustered one bit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, th- and, and even the try they scored to win the game, it wasn't a perfect try, like, the ball hit the ground like passes. There was a couple of bounce passes, but these guys were never. They, the thing that stood out to me in that game is they were never flustered. Mm. It didn't matter what the scoreboard looked like, or that they were losing to a team that you know they maybe shouldn't have been losing to. Um, yeah, and the more I think and people talk about what what's taking the audience to the next level is, I just feel as though they have some understanding of, of, of the, the psychological side, the mindset, and I think that Gilbert's been obviously doing an amazing job with that, obviously along with the unbelievable rugby talent that they have, but um, maybe just the understanding and learning how to keep a state of presence no matter what the circumstance on the field may be. That's really interesting mention that. Because I've been thinking about the All Blacks recently because everyone talks about their leadership and their culture. And I'm not, if you listen to any of my other podcasts, you'll find out I'm not a big fan of all this culture chats. But there is one, there is one area which I think is very important and it's the on-field leadership. I was at a Hiding Cup game the other week and I got the pleasure of sitting close enough to the coaches. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. So I could hear what the communication was to the players. I just felt the communication to the players was so basic. Like, the messages were so simple. that If the players weren't carrying out these messages anyway, there might be a lack of on-field leadership. And how important it is to have that real-time on-field presence there uh, in order to make those key decisions. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, you know, there's so many times messages uh, come onto the field, but, you know, they're too late. Like they don't get on in time because they always have to go through like a doctor or physio, and and uh, you know at the end of the day, the players who are out on the field like they're there because the coach has selected them to be out there, and a lot of the time you know they're the ones that have to make the decision. So like you always a player on the field like your first instinct is to back what you feel you know what I mean yeah and, and and if you get a message from the coach obviously you know you want to you want to go off that message but you, you don't we don't 
we're not out there thinking, oh, like, what's the coach want? Like, we've done all the work during the week, and that's why we've done it, so that when we're out there, we, we have a confidence mm. to, to, to play what we see and, and back, uh, back our instinct. And I, and I feel, you know, like, when you've done the work and, and you're confident in your, your work ethic and stuff like that, that it almost allows you to, to be more present out on the field and, and play more instinctively. Yeah, well, actually, I'm I'm glad you brought up coaching, because obviously I want to get get into it a little bit with you about your present coach, Gregor Townsend. Um, but just before we do that, can you give me a bit of background about yourself and how you ended up in Scotland? Yeah, I um, my my grandma's Scottish, so my mum's mum. She she was born in Glasgow. Um, so I, when I left, I left New Zealand when I was 21 to. No, twenty-three to go play in Australia, um, and when when I left New Zealand, we'd been in touch with the SIU just because my my nan was Scottish. My agent had been in touch just to sort of have a chat, and they showed like some some good interest in me, and they were actually interested in me coming over straight away. But we were sort of more just getting in touch to you know maybe see how things went. Later on down the track, um, and yeah, when I was playing in Australia, I got a offer to come to the Glasgow Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up staying in Australia for one more season, uh, and in the following season, um, I got another offer. This time it was for Edinburgh because Glasgow had, like filled up their roster the previous year with their scrum half. Um, yeah, yeah, and so I signed off Edinburgh. And uh, I, I played there for two seasons, and um, and then it was, it's actually funny, like because it's probably quite uncommon. Um, but when I was coming off contract with Edinburgh, uh, the the SIU was they they were quite keen for me to stay at Edinburgh. Ah, uh, yeah. But I actually um, contacted Gregor myself just because I had already had his details from when he had made me an offer previously. Mm. And because I saw that Nico Matawalu was leaving, yeah. Um, so I, I just sent him a message, and I just said, "Oh, like you know, I see Nico's leaving. I'd, I'd be really keen to chat to you if you're interested." And he was keen, so um, yeah, we just met up and had a chat, and then from there, like um, they made an offer, and um, so I, yeah, I I just it just really appealed to me. The way that Glasgow played the game, and um, and I sort of just felt that little sort of inkling because Glasgow was the team that had initially offered me. Like, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love my time at Edinburgh, um, but I just felt like there was something drawing me to play for for Edinburgh and oh, sorry, Glasgow. And and yeah, when I got in touch with Gregor and he was keen, I was pretty pretty over the moon. Awesome. So was one of the things which was making you keen to join Glasgow the fact that Gregor Townsend was there? And they do play nice rugby. There's no stories about that. Yeah, um, like, I didn't really know Gregor personally. Obviously, just, like, I'd had a few phone calls with him. And, like, when a coach makes you an offer, like, when I was over in Australia and he had made me an offer, like, you know, it's it's quite a nice compliment that a coach wants you to go over there. So because I had pretty much gotten really close to signing that deal um, and I pulled out of it last minute and decided to stay in Australia, I kind of felt like a, a little bit like a, if the opportunity came up again, you know, I'd, I'd really like to yeah, cause it, return the loyalty, if you know what I mean. Because it is very rare for a guy to go, well, I don't know if it is very rare, actually, but it certainly sounds rare for a player to go from one rival to another. And in Scotland, let's face it, there's, I mean, there's only two teams. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah. How did Edinburgh take the news? Um, nah, they were, they were all um, pretty understanding. Yeah, I think guys these days, uh, I think maybe it was back in the day, it would probably be you know, a bit different. But with professional rugby these days, you know, people understand guys go make changes with... They might be the best for their career, you know. It's a profession, um, 
so now the guys were the guys were all all really understanding like obviously there was like a little bit of banter here and there but at the same time um uh guys were understanding i think like i, I was although although i i hugely greatly um respect alan solomon's like i learned so much in terms of my rugby from him but there was times where i like i sort of was a bit frustrated with the, the way we played when i was there and it was something that i wasn't used to um mm. coming from the southern hemisphere so um i think it was sort of guys understood that it was uh, keen to go play a different style of rugby that makes a lot of sense yeah. and it's interesting you say that so can you just relate what you just said to how glasgow play and is that more southern hemisphere is it something you're more used to yeah i think Glasgow, like we do a lot of lot of analysis, like and we we look at how the top teams play, and a lot of the teams we we look at uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, the Super Rugby teams, like we look at the All Blacks and look at the Highlanders and the Chiefs and Crusaders and teams like the Waratahs and stuff, and um, so like yeah, we 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 try to. A lot of the, the mindset at Glasgow was to play a, a really high tempo game and and play attacking rugby, you know. And so it's a now it's an awesome team to be a part of. Like as a as a scrum half, you know, sometimes you might be bloody but knackered trying to get to all the roughs because yeah. the balls in play a lot. You, you might you, we don't kick as much as some of the other teams. Um, we we definitely play with the ball, but it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, style of rugby to be a, a part of and, and you know just when you play that style of rugby your whole week's more enjoyable because the training that we do a lot of it's like um, games based type stuff and yeah. you're always continuously working on your skill set like the players like all the forwards were, they're always doing um, skill work and developing their passing and catching and offloading and all that so it's, it's just it's an enjoyable um, environment and, and it's an environment that really is about improvement, like in every aspect, like every player, you've got to be always developing and working on your game and uh, every, um, um, all the, you know, all the coaches as well, they're always trying to improve and like they, you know, they've got, they get mentors in and guys like Mike Blair went over and work with the Crusaders to see how they work and so that's so, Oh, is so, that right? Yeah, it's very, like really forward thinking club. Oh, cool. So just give me some, in uh, some, from a tactical point of view, some information about how you achieve a fast tempo game for our rugby nerds out, out there. Yeah, so we we have a huge emphasis on the on the ruck on clean out, like firing past the ball and creating quick ball. The the ball carrier when he's in the tackle, like we work with um, Dan McFarlane a lot on on our, our breakdown work and um, call it groundwork, like the guys who's getting tackled. Um, what what you can do to create the quick ball. Um, they We call them the 60% man. So 60% of the quick ball is what the guy who's getting, ta- uh, getting tackled does, um, oh. how he works to get the ball back. And then the other 40% is the cleaner, uh, the, the effectiveness of the cleaner. Um, and we, we have a very like specific shape that we play, um, which guys are, everyone's on the same page, so guys are already in position for the next phase coming in order for the ball, so there's no sort of waiting around to organise. So we have sort of a, a set way of structure mm. for every part of the field, so when you get to a part of the field, guys have an idea of what the next shape of play, whether it's going to be hitting a forward off 10 or, or you know, obviously you've got options in that, but like Say so if you're, I probably shouldn't go too much into it, but, <laughs> but you know, if, if the ball's gone from nine to ten during phase play, we'll always have a forward outside, and the option can be either hit the forwards up, or if they feel it's on, we can hit out the back and go wide. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very, very organised and very detailed, and and everyone is accountable, you know, and it's like our phases are very organized you know you could look at a video analysis and say oh this is the sixth or seventh phase and what you know you're not here you should be here like things like that so it's very detailed yeah 
Amazing. Uh, mm. Not to take you, take, take you back, but let's just talk about that 60% man. So can you paint a picture for me of what the 60% man is looking to do to create that quick ball, the types of strategies that are employed? Yeah, so it's, it's you sort of, like, obviously the first thing is your evasion mm-hmm. um, and, and trying to get away from the, the defender um, and get into a position where you're over the cane line and then that obviously makes your job as the 60% man, a lot easier to, you know, get a long place. Um, so we talk about, like we call it a snapback, where you're going to obviously push push your feet right into the ground and then from there you're going to extend your whole body back. Um, mm. So pretty much like your body parallel with like the sideline um, and you're going to have a long place putting the ball back as far as you can, obviously. To, and by being parallel to the sideline, you're closing the gate. Yeah. So the, the the arriving guys who are trying to steal the ball or counter up, they have to come through that gate. So it shuts down their space for that, and uh, it it just makes uh, easier, cleaner. And say if you're the nine, like obviously, if a guy's reached that far back, the ball's going to be a lot cleaner than if he's sort of just hunched up and holding the ball in close. So it just stops the nine having to dig for the ball. And we talk about different tactics, like you know you. You're not always going to get over the game line, so it's it's picking the way in which you're going to play the ball back. Um, there's the like the squeeze ball, so if you fall on your chest, then you're you know you might have guys on top of you, and you you can't actually place the ball back. You got to push the ball back through your legs. Yeah. Um, so we actually practice all those different positions, like and and the best way in order to actually get the ball back and. The tidiest and quickest way possible. We we work on them in training, so we sort of emulate the different scenarios. Awesome. Okay, mm. so obviously there's a very specialised attack in Glasgow. Yeah. I have a theory that you can't beat the All Blacks with defence because they're too good. They're going to outscore you. I do think when the All Blacks finally fall, they're going to fall because. Someone is going to outscore them, so you can't you can't stop them scoring, but maybe you can score more. So the what, the point I'm trying to get at here is that I think Gregor Townsend could well be the man for the Lions. Now I'm not saying he is or he isn't, but could you make could you put forward a good argument for him to be the attack coach for this forthcoming Lions tour? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I think he's. He's one of the most sort of forward-thinking and detailed coaches that I've, I've come across. You know, like obviously, that's my like limited experience. I've, I've not obviously been around like all of the coaches in the world, but mm. like he's 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 extremely forward-thinking and detailed, and um, he he really really encourages like good attacking rugby, but smart smart attacking, not not reckless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he's very good at analysing uh, opposition, and like we we have a playbook, but there's no week, there's no two weeks that the playbook's the same. You know, it's Is that always right? yeah, it's always catered to the exact opposition, and we analyse how they defend and um, what we can do to exploit them. So um, yeah, and and my my experience, like yeah, I I have no doubt that he will like go on to. That's do, do very very great things. That's really interesting that you talk about the playbook being different every week because I think there's an attitude now that too many playbooks make stupid players, and I I could not disagree more. I think analysis um, is, uh, is is absolutely critical. So when do you get issued with your playbooks? When do you start the installation process for the next game? Uh, you you we usually do the analysis for the game that we just finished on the Monday and then uh, even on the Monday you start looking at the team coming as well that you're playing against but I mean guys like the assistant coaches and even like they get guys injured players and stuff they're analysing opposition teams like a week or a couple of weeks before the game mm. um, so yeah like someone like Mike, Mike Blair he might be already analysing so we've got Scarlet this week. He might already be analysing the, the the following week's opposition in terms of 
you know what what what, what we can do for our attack to to exploit them and stuff. Um, so we but we yeah we usually get the playbook on on uh, Tuesday. Yep. Um, and that's sort of like a, a rough like a, a bigger copy, and then as the week goes on, um, and we we sort of run through them and get a feel of the different moves in that, um, and, and what guys are sort of comfortable with and they're executing really well then they'll sort of come towards the end of the week with a more simplified playbook really yeah How, okay so there's two games that i'm really interested in yeah. um i know you can't uh, you can't tell me too much but you know whatever you can be most appreciated the first game is that matchup against connect at the start of the season now it felt to me like you boys were settling a score what was the build-up and what was the preparation before that game um, let me think. That was a while. That was a few games back now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think we were re- really pumped up because we were we were so disappointed uh, to be knocked out uh, in the, in the semi final, and and we felt like it, it was we were responsible. You know, we could have won that game at Connacht, that semi final, mm. and uh, we were almost. Like our own worst enemy. Like obviously, Finn got Finn and Xander both got um, taken off with head injuries, and um, you know Finn, that was Finn's was quite a scary sort of situation. Yeah, and it was. to lose your to lose two guys like that in the very first minute of the game was quite unsettling, and we we sort of spoke about it like later on, like during the preseason and stuff. What we had learned from it we spoke of it as a team and you know maybe we felt like yeah we, we maybe did get a bit flustered from that and we spoke about you know what we can do going forward to, to just stay in a clear mindset and just stick to the next job at hand and so we did do a, like quite a lot of analysis and breaking down of that game and yeah I think because we were so disappointed like we were really really gutted to have lost in that semi-final um yeah, we were we were keen to go back there and and make make up for it. Like obviously, it was, it's only the first game of the round, but yeah. at the same time we we uh, game of the season. Sorry, but at the same time we we wanted to kick off our season with positive momentum, you know, and to come back from that because it sort of leaves you with a bit of I guess unfinished business when you get knocked out in a game like that, where you know you could have won the game. Like it's a bit different. Like man, huge credit to Connacht. They completely deserved to win that Pro 12. They were unbelievable. They were amazing, and they stepped up to the occasion. Um, but we, I think, as the Glasgow Warriors, we knew there was things we could have done a lot better as well in that game. So, yeah, I think there was like for us a bit of a yeah. To settle, yeah, it certainly felt like it. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, the intensity you played with, the tempo, the speed. It felt like there was a, a score, a score to be settled. Um, yeah, no, definitely. It was an awesome performance. I was the water boy that day. So <laughs> it was, um, mate, I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe how amazingly well the guys played, and it was, it was awesome to see. And I was sort of, yeah, I think uh, Connacht were a bit shocked as well. They're, they're usually a very, very like, boisterous crowd. Like, they get amazing support, and it's quite it's a difficult place to play it. But, you know, the crowd, they were just a bit blown away. Yeah, well, they've had a tough start, haven't they? They had no pre-seasons, and they went on a bit of a losing run. But thankfully, they've pulled it around a bit now, which is good to see. Yeah, no, definitely. And Pat Lamb's a bloody good coach as well. Yeah, there's no two ways about that. Yeah, he's done an amazing job with them. Like The, the style of rugby that they play is, uh, is awesome as well. So he's, he's, he's done really, really well. And I'm sure he'll keep continuing to do, do well, well. Well, if Connick was settling a score... I think that the Leicester game was proving yourself and proving yourself not to the Pro 12 but to the rest of Europe. Now, I can't help but think that you laid a trap for Leicester that, that evening. Could you just give me some of the process that you went through b- before that game? And was there anything in particular you saw about Leicester? I mean, you must have seen something because um, by half-time it was pretty much over. Yeah, I think like we spoke Obviously, Leicester's a, a team that's known for their abilities up front and, yeah. and 
and that's how they get a lot of their, their huge results is by you know smashing teams in the scrum and the mall and, the, and around the the rucks and stuff and we felt if we could you know win that battle we we would have the upper hand on them um but obviously at the same time we also looked at you know they've got Aaron Major in there now and they're also trying to play a more attacking style of rugby and they've got some really really dangerous backs um Toulouse Vienu and Peter Beetham have been in unbelievable form so they did did a lot of analysis on those guys so mm-hmm. um I think you know the, the amount of analysis that the coaches did and feedback to the team uh, left the guys in in a great position to you know, shut down those threats, but like, man, the the job that the Ford pack did that day was unbelievable. You know, like, there's not many times you'd see Leicester's Ford pack going backwards in a scrum or getting smashed in a mall, and when that's your your key strength as a team, mm. and it's not going your way, like, that's a quite an unsettling sort of thing. So, yes, were you surprised by the result, or sorry, were you surprised by the way you won? Or did you, did Glasgow win in exactly the way they thought if they were going to win, that's how it is going to occur? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. I was over the moon. But yeah. I, I guess when the way the whole game un- unfolded, like you could just see it happening. The way we started, like you could see the intent and how the guys had fronted up and almost maybe Leicester looked a little bit surprised. You you hear a bit of chat about, you know, maybe some of the premiership teams, uh, they, they don't really look upon the Pro 12 as as maybe the same sort of level. Um, you know, that's things that I've heard being chatted about. I'm, I've not been around the Northern Hemisphere too long, so I don't mm. know, like, the, the background of it all, but, like, I've heard those sort of things come up and, you know, you hear about the English Premiership is known for the set piece and the scrummaging and mauling, and they don't respect the Pro 12 teams in that regard. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe they were a bit shocked as to the the battle that they had confronted. In the, yeah, front. I mean, I just wonder, like, did you win in the way you thought you'd win? Did you know they were going to be weaker on the rocks? Did you know uh, that they, you know, they were going to? Um, Capitulate when they threw the ball out wide, the, like those sort of things. Or did it? Just, I mean, I guess it. I guess it just unfolds. Yeah, it just unfolded. But I mean, ah, yeah. To be honest, with you, I, I don't think we were, would have expected to put that many to beat them that convincingly. Mm. But man, it's huge, huge credit to the boys that. Yeah. That the result. Yeah. I bet you can't wait for the return game. Yeah, there is going to be a bloody. Uh, They'll be up for that one for sure, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, things are about to change in Glasgow very soon. Greg is going to uh, Scotland, and you are getting Dave Rennie, who might be one of the few coaches in the world with a reputation strong enough to mitigate the loss of Gregor Townsend. Do you know anything about Dave Rennie? Have you ever have you ever spoke to him? And what do you expect? Yeah, I I, uh, I was coached by Dave Rennie for the New Zealand under twenties. Oh, that was in 2008, so um, seems like just about yesterday, but yeah. shows, shows how, how old I'm getting now. Um, but yeah, he, he was my coach and we won the under-20s in, in Wales, so that was... Is that amazing. when he scored a try against Ireland? Yeah, yeah, I got a try. Was, uh, I think it was old, my, my old mate Sean Maitland that actually hooked me up with that try. Oh, really? Yeah, he made a break down the sideline and whipped it in field. Oh, I think he put a grubber through for me, actually, yeah. Um so now that was unbelievable times, and we had an amazing team. Um, and yeah, so that was my only experience with Dave Rennie, um, and it was a fair while back. But um, yeah, he and he's another guy who who I look at as a as a really really forward thinking coach. You know, like very yeah. uh, ahead of the game. You know, and um, I was I was really really surprised. Um, to that Glasgow that we had signed him, I was just surprised in general that he was looking to come over to the Northern Hemisphere because, I mean, obviously, I guess looking like Steve Hansen re-signed with the All Blacks, but I genuinely think he's a definite future All Black coach. So yeah. it's a huge, 
it's a massive signing for for the Warriors. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. It's a real statement of intent. I mean, I'm surprised that he's taking another club job. I thought he, his next role for certain would be an international role. Yeah, definitely. And that's um, that's why I was also like surprised. But I mean, it's mate, it's, it's unbelievable. It's awesome news. Um, mm. But yes, yeah, it's, def- it's huge credit to like the SOU and the Warriors for for signing such a awesome coach. Because obviously, you know, if you like we we found out that uh Gregor was leaving and so the first thing you think is like, oh like he's gonna be quite hard to replace, you know, especially the the style of, of rugby that we play has has become like almost like our brand, like the Glasgow Warriors brand and it might be quite difficult to find a, a coach who can sort of emulate that. But when I heard that it was Dave Rennie, um I had no concerns at all that he'll he'll even be able to like, you know, yeah, put his own spin on it and take it, take it to another level. Yeah, yeah, because I think the SRU have really uncovered a gem with uh, Gregor Townsend and what he's done in Glasgow, and I think yeah. they really value that. And that's why, well, that's why they've managed to get uh, Dave Rennie. It's it's a real, real uh, state, statement of intent of how they wish to take this forward. And if you ask me, if everything continues, it looks like you boys are going to be more than a force in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, it'll be it's, it's very exciting times for the club, and it's been amazing to see how how much the the Warriors have built. You know, um, because it, really not that long ago that that the club was sort of you know one of the bottom of the table teams, and um, and I think Sean Sean Lenine did an amazing job to sort of start building up to get the team to around the top four sort of team. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, Gregor's, uh, everyone's seen what the amazing impact Gregor's had at the club. And, uh, you know, he's he's a guy who's, he, he's quite a young coach. And he's he's obviously just kept developing himself. You know, I've, I've only been coached by him. This is my second season now. But I can just tell by the way he goes about his work that he's still going and, and improving um, and and it's been shown by the way the what the Warriors have achieved and the way that we've been playing. So yeah, like it's a, a huge credit to the work that's been done at the club that we've been able to secure such a, a good coach for for next season. Superb. Well, Grayson, we've been talking for over an hour now. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for informing me about things that I had no idea about. Uh, I love the idea of the Glasgow Warriors meeting for coffee every Monday and talking about mind states. I absolutely love that. Um, You've been an absolutely awesome guest. Just remind everyone what your podcast is, where they can find you. Uh, Yeah, the podcast, it's it's called the Warrior Mentality Podcast. Um, So, yeah, if you guys, it's just... We're just chatting about, you know, different books that have impacted us and, and mindsets and creating new outlooks and perspectives on things and different tactics and habits just to to be at our, our absolute best in every aspect. Um, and that and we, we're, we're interviewing a lot of people and I've just launched launched my own website as well. It's called thegoodlifemovement.net. Okay. Um, uh, um, concept. Um, but what I'm looking to do is, I mean, we're doing a lot of work with um, schools and and sports teams and and groups and um, chatting about these types of mindsets and overcoming, breaking through obstacles and barriers and just my own life and want to pass them on like things like life and in rugby um, to to just live our best possible lives and the the concept of it is um, it's it's all going to be like a lot of blog content on the website, but um, the, any groups or sports teams or businesses that I work with or presentations that I do um, the, the people can pay whatever they feel like there's no minimum or, or maximum they pay whatever they want and 100% of it is going to go to charities um, cancer cancer awareness and um, poverty fighting cancers amazing <laughs> poverty fighting charities so <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so that that's that's what the Good Life Movement um, dot net is all about. So you go come check that out, and yeah. So questions. Good, good Life Movement dot net, and you're on Twitter at. Yeah, it's just 
Grayson underscore hot. Grayson underscore hot. Mate, that has been superb. Thank you so much, and we're going to definitely have, have you on thank again you, soon. Thank you, man. Oh, awesome, mate. I look forward to it, and uh, thank you very much for having me. Huge thanks to Grayson for coming on the show. Go and check out his foundation. Go and check him out on Twitter. And also have a look at the Warrior Mentality podcast, which is very, very interesting. Also, look up our sponsors, Beer52. Their code is uh, Rugby20 and also Cornerstone. You can go to Cornerstone forward slash Egg Chasers or Egg10 at checkout for your discounts. Next week will be someone equally as exciting, so check us out on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook, and you might even get a sneak preview of what is to come. Until then, hopefully I will be speaking to you all via the medium of Egg Chasers next Monday. Until then, goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.